We have arrived. Episode number 10. And we got a whole lot of basketball to get into. Today is Monday, September 28th. The NBA Finals are set. JJ is happy and I am sad because the Lakers eliminated the Nuggets and ended their special playoff run. The Miami Heat also knocked off the Celtics last night in Game 6. And we have a very much unexpected version of the Leonard versus Antetokounmpo NBA Finals matchup with the Lakers and the Heat. JJ, even though it broke my heart a little bit, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, uh, congratulations is definitely due to the Nuggets. I don't think anybody saw them uh, making it to the conference finals and even putting up that much of a fight with them. So, uh it really shows that how well coached a team they were, how much talent they have on that team as well. And, you know, it takes an enormous amount of dedication and hard work to even reach the conference finals. So even though they didn't achieve their ultimate goal of probably achieving a championship, there's still great merit in getting as far as they did. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it was so special what they did. And before we get into the Lakers, I do want a quick word on the Nuggets because I don't want to just throw them in the dust and forget how epic that was. Jokic is 25 years old. Jamal Murray is 23. The level of resilience those young men displayed in the bubble was nothing short of amazing. And at the end of that series, you could tell they were exhausted. Jamal Murray was playing with a bad leg at the end there. Uh, How could you not be tired, not just physically, but the mental battle of having to have your back against the wall and fight back six elimination games in two different series. Don't get me wrong. The Lakers were the better team here and they earned their spot in the finals. But I just have to say this, and I'm sorry to be that guy, but the officiating in that last game was a complete disgrace. There were already some frustrations earlier in the series, such as in game four, LeBron and Anthony Davis combined for 28 free throw attempts, while the Nuggets as a team had 23. In game one, the Lakers had 25 free throws in the first half. Uh, it seems like in game four, Jokic went from having one foul to five in the span of like one quarter. And that was kind of frustrating. Although I was admittedly half focused on that game as I was supposed to be uh, engaging with some family friends, but really just kind of glued in on Lakers nuggets. So that's me for you. But, and you know, and in game five, every time the nuggets clawed their way back into the game, The Lakers seem to get the help of a whistle or some kind of no call that would have helped the Nuggets and harmed the Lakers. And I'm trying to say that as objectively as possible. Minus the flagrant foul on Dwight Howard in the third quarter, it was a whole lot of LA for the men in the zebra stripes. And the play that really sums it up for me is late in the fourth quarter when LeBron Didn't get called for the offensive foul after railing Jamal Murray in the paint on a floater. And it resulted in an offensive rebound and a wide open Anthony Davis three, which extended their lead to 10. And when that happened, I was just like, wow, that play just kind of sums up the game for me. And uh, I don't know. LeBron was spectacular at the end of the game. Refs had nothing to do with that. But it seemed like the Nuggets just wouldn't go away. And the Lakers... Uh, got a little bit of help from the officiating. But, you know, the Lakers earned it. They were the better team. Nuggets were exhausted. I just wish 
I could have seen them go down a little bit differently. Yeah, definitely. As a Lakers fan, I will admit we did get some help from the referees there. Um, You know, I can remember one instance of comparison. Jamal Murray was complaining about a call vehemently to one of the referees, and he got called for a technical. And I believe a couple minutes later, LeBron was vehemently uh, complaining to another ref like just as much as Jamal was, but the ref did nothing for him. So that may just be the uh, superstar treatment, but that's just one of the examples there you could see. But it was still well-deserved by the Lakers, most definitely. Yeah, no doubt. And Anthony Davis was quite a stud during that series. The shot he hit at the end of Game 2 was career-defining for him and his young career. Obviously, LeBron is chasing just another quest of greatness and we're gonna see if they can get it done uh it's gonna be really interesting finals because they're two very different teams and it's not the finals matchup that people were talking about for an entire season so it's gonna be a lot of fresh opinions coming from everywhere around the league but I will say this about the Lakers they can't shoot the ball like don't get me wrong they're two best players It is one of the all-time great duos. Anthony Davis is a superstar. LeBron James, obviously one of the greatest of all time. Some people would say the greatest. But it's just funny to me seeing guys like Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, Danny Green, KCP, etc., etc., be on the floor with them. Because if they get hot in one of these games, it's going to be a huge problem for Miami. Oh, no doubt. I think that's really the key for the Lakers in this finals is we know what we're going to get from LeBron and AD. But like, as you mentioned, it's KCP, it's Kuzma, it's Caruso, it's Danny Green that the Lakers need to score that'll help them win the games as well. And specifically looking at Danny Green, we paid him a good chunk of money over $10 million to come and play three and D. And while his defense has been good, he hasn't been shooting the ball well. He shot just 29% from the field last series and 32% from the three. And while 32% isn't terrible necessarily, it's certainly not what you expect from a guy who's made a living off of his shooting. Uh, He's a career 40% three point shooter. So, you know, we just got to expect better from at least uh, Danny green. And those guys will really make the difference in this finals. You said he's 32% on the bubble. Uh, just from that last series. Oh, okay. I was going to say, he might be 32%, but I feel like I've seen him make two shots this playoffs, and I watch a lot of basketball. Yeah, it, it definitely seemed like that. And, you know, just to speak on both of the teams, they're really hitting their stride at the most opportune time. I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of the whole bubble the eight game seeding, uh, the Lakers weren't playing that well. Their offense looked really out of sync. They're relying on LeBron, I think, to play make a hefty amount when they didn't have Rondo on the floor and their offense just looked stagnant. But thankfully, Rondo's made a huge difference. And that's why also when I was describing role players that we needed to step up, I didn't include Rondo because I think it's safe to say now that he's proven he'll be there in the big moments. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. He did it last series. He shot over 40% from the uh, from three last series, and he was a fantastic playmaker for us. Him and Anthony Davis are just an 
awesome uh, pick and roll combo as well. So if he can play with that same grit and intensity, then the Lakers will have an enormous advantage over the heat in this series. Yeah. Rondo has been terrific. He is really extraordinary in terms of his basketball IQ and he's a really unique player, but he knows what he is and he knows his role. So he's been a valuable asset for the Lakers for sure. Danny Green is also an NBA champion, and we'll see if he has what it takes for the big moments. He did injure Clay Thompson in Game Six of last NBA Finals, so I hope he can leave a little bit of a. I hope he can leave a little bit of a better legacy this time around. But that's just me being a salty Warriors fan whose bandwagon team got knocked off. Uh, <laughs> No, Danny Green, Danny Green is a very good player, but has not performed to his full potential. So there's a lot of guys on the Lakers that are real wild cards. But if I had LeBron leading my team, I'd be scared shitless and ready to play as hard as I possibly could. So hopefully they can do it. I think another issue for the Lakers is they can't give up offensive rebounds in the series because the Heat have been so weirdly precise and made the most of each possession that every single possession is going to count. And not that the Lakers typically have big rebounding issues, but if they're giving up offensive rebounds to guys like Bam consistently, that could be a real problem for them. No doubt. Um, Especially looking at that last series, Tyler Hero of all people averaged six boards a game, which is just incredible for one, a rookie and two, uh, guard to average and three a white guy (laughs) exactly but i think the thing about the heat is that they're just such a good team they play the game of basketball so well as a team that it's uh very hard for teams uh for their opponents to box out and rebound against uh offensive player or against defensive players like bam Adebayo. you know They are so technically sound at finding ways to get more possessions and offensive boards that it'll be a real challenge for the Lakers. Yeah, and the Heat have been the defensively superior team in the entire bubble. It's been really fun but interesting to see. Uh, Actually, Episode 7's man, Zach Haywood, congratulations to him for not only getting his hot take right about the Heat getting past the Bucs, and making a run in this playoffs. But he also mentioned something that I couldn't agree with more now. He talked about how he was so impressed with Eric Spolstra and how he's coached. Then it's how that's something he took for granted in the LeBron, D-Wade, Bosch era because they were such a powerhouse of a team talent-wise that you you don't take the time to think what kind of role the coach has. Um, I know my man Steve Kerr, I obviously think he's great, but... Same deal. A lot of people are like, well, it's easy when you have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, et cetera, et cetera. And Eric Spolstra is showing that he's been a great leader and coach for this team. They don't fall apart in the second half. Matter of fact, they've played great down the stretch of all kinds of games. The Nuggets obviously had a lot of great comebacks and what they did was incredible in a different way. But the Heat have just been great down the stretch whether they're protecting a lead or whether they're trying to come back. And I think that was the real difference in the Celtics game. Uh, What was it? 96, 90 yesterday. He were trailing and 
it seemed for a second like, oh, maybe the Celtics are going to force a game seven. What's going to happen? And all of a sudden, the heat just caught fire. So they've been great down the stretch. And you mentioned Tyler Hero. He is legit. I am seriously impressed with how he scored in game four because he only made five threes. It wasn't just your classic, okay, we get it. He can shoot. He was cutting, moving off screens, hitting running bank shots, reverse layups, you name it, getting the whole driving. I mean, he's going to be a really, really good player in the league. I have no doubt about that. No doubt. And the thing about the Heat is their role players play their roles as good as anybody. You know, Duncan Robinson, he's a shooter. He took, he attempted, I believe, like 55 shots in that last series, and 49 of them were three-pointers, and he just is a dead-eye. He's a certified shooter. Tyler Hero was speaking on already. He's amazing. Iguodala, we've seen in the past with your Warriors. He's legit. He shows up for the big games. Uh, not to mention, you know, the stars like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo as well, and Goran Dragic for the scoring. Just overall, this team is well coached um, and playing well, and they definitely, I think, have the advantage from a coaching standpoint with Spolstra getting to his fifth championship uh, appearance to Frank Vogel's first. So while, you know, Frank Vogel has done a fantastic job coaching the Lakers so far this season, this is kind of uh, uncharted territory for him. And I expect Vogel to rely heavily on LeBron and AD, and I think Spolstra might know that as well. So it'll be a really fun series to watch. Yeah, game one alone is going to be really exciting because the Lakers have started series a little questionable, and the Heat always seem to take that early lead and they haven't really had to play from behind uh, in a series. You know, they've had to get out of little holes in games, but they haven't had their backs against the wall like some of these other teams. So it's going to be really fun. I am really happy for Andre Iguodala, my former finals MVP. I'm super happy for Jimmy Butler. Seems like he's found a home in Miami. He really deserves it. And all these guys have played so well in the big moments. It always means something when it's a great performance in a big game. Remember back in episode two when I referenced Chris Middleton's 51-point performance this year and I said I was excited to see how he did in the playoffs? And he disappointed for the most part, besides a great game four performance against the Heat. Mm -hmm. But yeah, playoff basketball does matter. And that's why, especially with Tyler Hero going off, it's like, sure, well, you could say it's one game, but it was one game that gave the Heat a 3-1 lead and propelled them into the NBA Finals. And by the way, the kid's 20 years old. Yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned a little earlier, I think, it seems like it's a different person every night for the Heat that's uh, scoring the ball for them. Like, I believe uh, you mentioned Tyler Hero scored a bunch in that game four. Uh, Bam put up 32 or 33 in the closeout game last night. Jimmy Butler, you know, is solid for at least 20. Goran Dragic as well. It really speaks to their versatility as a team. Yeah, Dragic especially has been fantastic. Robbie said that Dragic, his natural facial expression, looks like he's always on the verge of tears. And I think that's hilarious because I can't unsee it now. <laughs> I, I never heard that before either. <laughs> but thinking about it, oh my God. Jeez. Another thing I can't unsee is everybody saying that Duncan Robinson looks like Sheen from Jimmy Neutron. Jesus Christ. 
How can you drop all of these on me right now? I will never be able to see these players the same. <laughs> well, I, I like the element of surprise. It's something I value. Jesus. Well, thank you, Robbie and Greg Silver, for forever changing my opinion on the heat. Jesus. Uh, well, I only speak for myself when I say I aim to please. Who knows what goes through Robbie's head? That kid can be kind of a troll, but, you know. <laughs> I got to say it while he's not on the mic with me so that I'm not going to get slapped in the face or something. Exactly. Exactly. Got to take your opportunities as they come. Oh yeah. Ooh. Also early shout out to UC Santa Barbara alumni, Gabe Vincent, member of the Miami heat going to the NBA finals. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Congratulations. We always love to see our gauchos represented in professional sports. Oh Yeah. Well, we talked about some of the keys for the Lakers. I have a few keys for the Heat. And, well, I don't know. I just want to hear your take on it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And this is what I think with the Heat is that they totally deserve to be in the finals with how they've played down the stretch in big games, like we mentioned. I really believe they have a fighting chance in this series. But they need answers for Anthony Davis because he has the ability to take over and put up 35 in his sleep. But... Make LeBron take long shots. I'm not saying LeBron can't shoot, but compared to the threat he is when he drives and kicks out or drives and draws contact and finishes, make him take long shots. My goodness, I wish the Nuggets did it a little bit more. So they have to make LeBron stay outside as much as they can. They have to limit the fouls as well. It slows the game down. The Lakers are a little bit older, which I believe helps when there's a slower pace. And it also gives them free points. We can't have them with 25 first half free throws. Uh, we as in the Heat, I guess. Wow, did I really just say we? Uh, what, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm rooting for the Heat. I'm sorry. I It's an underdog story. And no disrespect to the Lakers or LeBron James. But being in Santa Barbara is making it hard to not get riled up about Lakers fans celebrating right now. So that's just where we're at. But... Regardless, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I have on the Heat. No doubt. And, yeah, I think you've got a point there. Uh, LeBron is definitely at his best when he's able to drive and be a playmaker or just yam on someone's head. Uh, I think the Heat can live with if he's making outside shots. I think, yeah, you shouldn't be disappointed. You'll be You'll be okay with the fact that he's making them if that's how you want to beat him. And I think the best thing to defend Anthony Davis is to just keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible. So if that's just uh, doubling him anytime he gets the ball, I think limiting, just limiting his touches overall is the best way to kind of attack that. Yeah, for sure. And I do worry for the heat's sake about them getting behind in this series because going into the finals, I'm thinking, don't change that much of what you were doing. Do what you were doing. It was working great. Nobody really had an answer for it. Even the Celtics who were young and talented and put up a great fight, but no one really has had an answer for it. And I fear that if they get behind in the series or fall into little holes, they're going to be forced to change what they're doing. And I think with young teams, especially when they're playing in big moments like that, that can be a real challenge to have to change on the fly not to mention you're going against one of the smartest players of all time in LeBron also Rondo another great IQ guy like we said 
So the Lakers are not the kind of team that you want to have to make uh, adjustments to their game. You want them to have to adjust to you because I think the Lakers are probably better equipped to change things on the fly than the Heat. As great of a coach as Eric Spolstra is, that's no knock against him. I think it has more to do with the fact that the Heat have a clear identity and they're a really young team. Yeah, and speaking on that, I think the Lakers' experience here is really immeasurable. Like you mentioned, the Heat are still a fairly young team, and they only have a couple players who really have a lot of championship experience. You know, they have, of course, the OG, Udon Haslam there, and they also have Iguodala, but I'm not sure if there's anyone else on that roster who has that kind of experience to kind of guide them through this, uh, not to mention Spolstra as well, obviously. But um, the Lakers have Rondo, Danny Green, AD, or not AD, but LeBron, excuse me, They have all these seasoned veterans who have been in those elimination games in the finals. And the, I think that'll be a huge advantage for them in being able to stay calm during those pressure moments during the finals, because the difference, I think there is a difference between, you know, conference finals, conference semifinals, those elimination games in there. The finals is a different beast the amount of pressure that the finals produces is so great because there's seven games potentially, and then it's done. The season is done. So it's the end all be all series. So you need that leadership, that experience that the Lakers have. And I don't think the heat necessarily have as much of that. Yeah. And not to uh, try to like one up you here, but just having been in an arena during the NBA finals, I was at game one of 2015 Warriors-Cavs, and I have to say, I mean, Oracle itself is already known for how crazy it is in there, but yes, the finals is a completely different atmosphere. It is absolutely unlike anything I've ever been a part of, and it was so fun, but just so much adrenaline and nerves and intensity. So I can only imagine the kind of pressure that players are feeling especially in an era when championships seem to mean so much for a player and a coach's legacy. There seems to be a wide gap between getting first and second. You'll even see in the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debates, which by the way, I think is kind of dumb for people our age to be doing because like we didn't really live through Jordan. I think the last dance was really well done and it was cool to see just his greatness and get a better sense of his career. But we didn't really live through those years, but people always mention LeBron's finals record and use that against him. And it's like, Oh, three and six in the finals. And you know, if he loses this one, Oh, three and seven. Yeah. I mean, that's not that great, but getting to 10 finals, I don't care how bad the Eastern conference was for a lot of those years. That's 10 NBA finals. So yeah, it's a lot of pressure and we're about to find out what all these players are made of but uh even in the bubble with no fans i i don't know if that adds any stress or makes it better it seemed to help these younger teams the celtics thrived the heat thrived the nuggets thrived but it's going to be really really interesting i think uh you know sadly we're never going to know but that's just kind of my overall opinion on it exactly i think uh 
these playoffs have produced really good basketball. And even referencing J.J. Redick, he said this is like some of the best basketball he's ever seen. So I believe that uh, this format in the bubble has really produced the best basketball possible. And it has really, I think it has contributed to allow players like Tyler Hero to have that confidence to go off for 37 and stuff like that. And it's really just overall, like you said, produce entertaining basketball. Entertaining is something that it's going to be. And also Stephen A. Smith, this is your dream NBA finals matchup, but I don't think it's exactly how he imagined it because I think he wanted to travel. Nonetheless, Stephen A., congratulations. Maybe the New York Knicks will be there next year, huh? Ah, got him. Um, wow, great joke by me. <laughs> so we do have a couple of big boy questions. One is related to basketball. One is related to football. So we're going to start with the basketball one. And, oh, my goodness, I do know who submitted this one. JJ, I'll start with you. Who is the sexiest player on the Heat? I think there's an obvious front runner in Myers Leonard. I, I was even surprised to see that that dude was married. But uh, I think a close second has got to be yeah, Eric Spolstra, man. He's got those. He's got those kind of piercing. He's got those piercing eyes, dude. Don't underestimate the eyes. Wow, I didn't even think of Spolstra. I really just limited it to the young roster, but you stole my thunder because Myers Leonard is definitely what I was going for. I also want to say that Bam Adebayo is up there as well. Nice looking dude. Kendrick Nunn, good looking dude. Uh, On the court though, the sexiest one is Andre Iguodala for obvious reasons, but I will agree with you that Myers Leonard is the sexiest player on this Miami Heat team. No debate about that. Oh, just, oh my God. Good old Myers Leonard. The real finals MVP Leonard is coming. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, this one uh, doesn't have to do with any good looks off the field, but does have something to do with good looks on the field because this question is about the quarterback of the 3-0 Buffalo Bills, and that is, is Josh Allen good or is he going to regress? Well, I'll start. Is he good? I don't know what you people have been watching, but he looks pretty good to me. Like, Jesus, I mean, what, did he throw 400 yards, four touchdowns? The interception that he threw wasn't even really an interception. And even though I didn't have a strong opinion about the result of that game, I really felt for the Bills on that play because it gave me bad flashbacks to the fail Mary with the whole simultaneous possession thing. That was just a ridiculous call by the refs yesterday and not really an interception. But I did love Josh Allen's face mask penalty yesterday. I sat there thinking – How many hours have I spent watching football in my life? And have I ever seen a quarterback get a face mask penalty? (laughs) I don't think ever. (laughs) But yeah, Josh Allen is good. I don't think he's going to regress. If anything, I think he's going to keep learning because anything that is kind of a question mark or a red flag seems to be with him trying to do too much on plays, which could result in turnovers or at the very least give the Bills fan base, the Bills mafia, a lot of anxiety. Yeah, exactly. You're speaking about his main problem is those interceptions. He only has one through three games, which is decent. He's thrown over 300 yards in all of his games. Uh, Through these three games, he's also 
uh, completed over 70% of his passes. He has over 120 uh, QB rating. He has 10 TDs. Like, I don't know how people can say he's not doing good and he's not going to just progress from this. And I just want to mention, as a fan of the New England Patriots, I am scared to death of this because he's so young. I think he's, what, 24 now? And he's only going to, from the looks of it, he's only going to get better. So this really scares me as a as a Bill Belichick lifer, you know? Ugh. But, oh my God! What are you worried about losing your streak of twenty-seven AFC East titles? Yeah, exactly. Thank uh, you for that yeah, shout out as yeah. well. <laughs> but I think you know. I think that I have faith in good old Cam Newton. I think we have faith in Superman that we can uh, defeat this defense as well, even though they haven't been doing so well for me in fantasy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that little cough right there is an indication at something we're going to get to real soon. But I'm not a big Bill Belichick fan. For me, I'm all about Steve Belichick and his nice-looking mullet. That's what really gets me going in the morning. He is just literally – th- the expression, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, this apple is as like – it's not even fallen from the tree. It's still up there. He is – he is such a duplication of his father. It's so funny. It's so funny. Have you seen any interviews with him? Yeah, he talks exactly right. like his dad. It's oh, hilarious. Well, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> you think Bill Belichick would ever fire Steve Belichick? I feel like that could happen for sure. Oh, no doubt. I think Bill Belichick's got that in him. I think he's that cold-blooded. If he can let Tom Brady go, you know, our franchise piece. I think he can definitely fire his son. Oh, my goodness. Well, I I hope he does so that Steve Belichick can come to the Packers and that I can just feel good about rooting for him all the time. And I don't want to see that mullet in the zero-degree, frosty Green Bay winter. Oh, Jesus. Nothing could could beat a crusty mullet like that. Get get all that ice on it and get a little crunchy? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers would have so much more to play for. (laughs) Exactly. Nothing could beat that. Oh, geez. Wow. This is what a ridiculous time in sports and in life. It's almost time to say goodbye for now, but we do have shout out too, of course. And we're actually doing a joint shout out today because this is the first episode that we're releasing since a very big event in the public sphere jj take it away yeah our big shout out today is of course to uh ruth bader ginsburg who tragically passed away a couple days ago she was uh such a big leader in the fight for women's rights and her work over her life is up there in the in the highest of tiers and you know I don't think there could be a more deserving person maybe in the entirety of our podcast that will ever deserve this as much as she does. She was a leader in the fight for sex-based discrimination. She's a role model to so many women across the globe, really. And it's just really tragic to see someone like that pass away. No matter no matter what uh, political views you have, this is a tragic loss for everyone. 
Yeah, 100%. And there is nobody more deserving of a shout-out on this podcast. And my own mom got a shout-out five episodes ago. So you heard it from me. That's no disrespect to you, Mom. I love you. But it's the Notorious RBG. And uh, it sucks. It really sucks. I would love to see her seat not get taken. But politics aside, what a fucking badass champion fighter man what a god no doubt oh wow we made it episode 10 in the books we hit double digits can you believe it that's incredible dude i thought we would have gotten sick of sick of each other by now (laughs) maybe maybe like two episodes down the line there'll just be a big rant that's coming (laughs) Ten's a big marker though Big marker, big day for Potty Train Me, and we're just getting started. The NBA Finals will be here soon, and we will be right there with it. In the meantime, we actually have to go because as we speak, we're in the middle of a Monday night fantasy football showdown, and I want to win. Hopefully, Patty Mahomes throws a couple picks here. Alrighty, it's been fun. Catch us on the next episode coming soon. See ya. Yeah.